Today's episode is brought to you by Olive, a next-generation logistics company serving premium fashion brands. For many fashion brands, both the cost and frequency of returns continues to rise. And if these same trends continue, it's completely unsustainable, not only for the business, but also for the planet. Olive is here to help. Olive offers brands and retailers over 50% off on return shipping expenses instantly while offering customers a sustainable, waste-free packaging and delivery experience. 50% might sound crazy until you realize how the service works. Olive's will pick up your customers' returns and reusable packaging and manage the closed-loop resale experience for your customers. If you're interested in learning more, visit shopolive.com slash watsonweekly. Save money, save the planet. It's January 9th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Shopify releases commerce components to create a path to its composable future. Nike earnings top estimates, but inventory and costs rise. Meta acquires a smart lens maker to bring augmented reality to market. Chewy plans expansion of automated fulfillment. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains eight items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Shopify releases commerce components to create a path to its composable future. Last week, Shopify announced that it's now focusing part of its strategy on enterprises with the release of commerce components a subscription product which reportedly allows an enterprise organization with over $500 million in sales per year to select the components from Shopify at once in a custom plan. For the past two years, Shopify has been pursuing an everything-everywhere-all-at-once strategy, simple for entrepreneurs, configurable for growing stores, and Shopify Plus. It's, well, plus. I mean, it's more, but historically, it's not been that much more than standard Shopify. When I ask why a company chose Plus, 9 out of 10 times the answer I get is dedicated account management. Shopify's commerce component slots in, well, somewhere in here, but it's designed for this audience above Shopify's Plus offering from what I can tell. A few takes. First, in true Shopify form, a lot of this is marketing. Repackaging existing things Shopify has like hydrogen and along with a new set of non-rate limited APIs. Second, this is essential for Shopify's new global consulting partners like Accenture and Deloitte. Otherwise, Shopify probably won't be able to seriously develop these partners. The standard Shopify playbook for the last five years of continually declining agency project sizes for basic stores doesn't fly in the enterprise customization world. Third, the whole space is confusing in that cloud-based software is very difficult to understand from a marketing point of view. The difference between commerce tools, commerce components, headless, composable, and organizations like Mock is very difficult for the average person to grasp. Fourth, really I think this is about checkout. By far Shopify's biggest advantage in this space is its checkout, which is world class. And the company knows it given its focus on checkout in the press release itself. In some ways, this is actually needed to make Shopify checkout relevant to this upmarket segment and to stop people from moving on from Shopify when they outgrow the other parts of the stack. Enterprise aren't always looking for one platform. They're looking for best in class across a range of components. This is needed in some respects to actually give Shopify its checkout a chance to run. Finally, one thing I've observed is that the high end of the enterprise world in the last year is the beginning of a consolidation around commerce tools in this segment in the composable commerce realm. Speaking of marketing, 
Commerce Tools' introduction of the Mock Alliance in 2020 continues to be one of the more brilliant marketing coups in the sector in recent memory. And while Commerce Tools is not the only company pushing this vision, this should be a big vote of confidence and validation for its approach. Last word in this. I don't think this is a big focus for Shopify yet. I really think the company has enough interest from large enterprise integrators that are asking for an answers to Headless, and Toby and the developers at Shopify finally got fed up enough to offer them a first look at a solution. Beyond that, I think Shopify will keep most of its focus on entrepreneurs. Even so, this is an opening of a conversation with a world that Shopify is not familiar dealing with, with a go-to-market approach that is completely foreign to the organization. In this case, I think Shopify is not going to win any easy battles here and has a lot to prove to enterprise retailers that already have many options to choose from. Our second story. Nike earnings and revenue top estimates, but inventory and costs rise. Fashion brand Nike recently reported quarterly results that easily topped Wall Street's expectations, but rising inventory and costs squeezed the company's margins. Let's dive into what happened as reported by CNBC. First, Nike achieved $13 billion in revenue, up 17% from $11 billion a year earlier. Nike's inventory levels were up 43% to $9.3 billion in the quarter compared to last year and led to aggressive markdowns. That reduced Nike's gross margins to 43% from 46% a year ago. Two, the company's selling and administrative expenses increased 10% year-over-year to $4.1 billion. Nike direct sales were up 16% and digital sales were up 25%. Three, Nike's inventory grew 65% over the last year in North America alone. So the company enacted an aggressive promotional strategy to liquidate the merchandise and make way for new products. This is what had an impact on the company's gross margin. No doubt this is affected by its move away from wholesale in the past year and more towards direct. My take on this is generally positive. 17% growth year over year is nothing to sneeze at and everyone is struggling with inventory at the moment, particularly in apparel. Overall, Nike, Amazon, and Walmart seem like the bellwethers in the retail economy generally. If Nike's not doing well, we really are all doomed. Even if your numbers don't match these, it gives you some benchmark for the growth and challenges of a top fashion brand out there in today's market. Our third story. Meta acquires a smart lens maker to bring augmented reality to market. If there's one thing you can say about Mark Zuckerberg is that he has full control over Meta's destiny and he is determined to go in this direction. He has just thrown more money into the metaverse with the acquisition of Lux Excel, a Netherlands-based company that specializes in 3D printing prescription lenses for smart glasses. For its part, Meta has been investing in both AR and VR, and this definitely fits into the former category. The company Lux Excel was founded in 2009 and has patented a lens with a transparent display technology to create augmented reality experiences on regular glasses. This is what I'm talking about, people. Who wants to wear a goofy headset? We would much rather be like Google Glass in the generation of glassholes who tried out this technology in 2013. Who even remembers these now? Meta's mortal enemy Apple is moving in the augmented reality space as well, but has its current mobile platform to defend. Having an existing platform to defend has its advantages in that you can leverage a user's existing investments to move into a new realm. But it has downsides too. Namely, if the old world is not helpful in the new one, you could end up creating something not as useful because you're afraid to take bigger risks. I'm not really worried about this with Apple, especially since it's proven it can innovate. Zuck definitely has conviction here as an investing like a venture capital firm. 
He's determined to not be like Microsoft, which missed a major internet platform shift. Meta has tried for years to create its own platform in different ways, and none of them have worked out. Who remembers the Facebook phone called the first? And our last story. Chewy plans expansion of automated fulfillment. An article in the Wall Street Journal discussed Chewy investing in at least two more automated fulfillment centers in 2023 to improve safety, margin, and capacity. Automated facilities are needed because of labor issues in the space. Not enough people want to work in a warehouse. Even if there were, you couldn't pay them enough over easier alternative careers. A few simple facts out there now that indicate this trend toward automation could be persistent. There are more jobs than people in America now and in the foreseeable future. It's not dropping rapidly across all sectors despite layoffs. The Fed may not be able to kill enough jobs and lower employment enough due to the government's actions. Yes, the Fed is tightening, but the government is still putting a lot of new money into the economy this year. One trillion in infrastructure and more defense funding. And immigration is still not fully valued. Simply put, any company not thinking about automation within its warehouse facilities is in one of two situations. Either the company doesn't need automation because its volume is stable and not capacity constrained, or the company is likely losing margin first and later market share to its competitors and doesn't realize it. In other words, the company is leaving an opportunity on the table. How is it possible that a 3PL is losing market share? The 3PL business is highly fragmented and hundreds of providers are still in the, quote, dusty four walls and teams of muscle mode of fulfillment. Other facts are involved too, including that experience is necessary to implement automation successfully. Giving typewriters to a thousand monkeys does not produce Shakespeare any more than RFID alone revolutionizes supply chains. It takes people and processes to make it all work. Not all 3PLs have this experience. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have eight items on the menu today. First, Amplio raised a $6 million seed round to help manufacturers source electronics components. The system both predicts and tracks electronic parts shortages. Not only this, but identifies alternative suppliers for the riskier parts of the supply chain. I like the narrow focus on a specific industry and set of problems. Second, Sephora selected seven new beauty brands for its accelerator program. The beauty retailer started its accelerator program in 2016, and some of the latest cohort are brands like Range Beauty and Glosshood. If you're a startup and targeting beauty brands, it pays to look and see if a big retailer you're interested in selling to has a venture program. Other companies like Dick's Sporting Goods have one as well. Third, a new investment round gives sports retailer Fanatics a $31 billion valuation. Fanatics continues to defy general market and valuation trends with a $700 million fundraise led by Clear Lake Capital. I don't have much to say about Fanatics except reiterating my core belief, never bet against Michael Rubin. Fourth, Margot raised $20 million to fill excess capacity on commercial aircraft to speed up the middle mile. The company is challenging the idea that you need warehouses in multiple places throughout the company to offer two-day shipping. Of course, the fact that this is using commercial aircraft means that the reliability could be affected, especially if airline travel continues its challenges. I should also note that Amazon is starting to sell excess capacity on its planes to other shippers too. Fifth, Pixar AI raised a 1 million pound seed round to automate visual image tagging for retailers. This startup was founded by a doctorate in AI and computer vision. Anyone with a very design-heavy catalog understands the problem with visual search. 
Tagging images properly is a key to discovery and has been the focus of AI from Google, which can plug into enterprise search platforms like Algolia or native visual search solutions like Sight. Six, WPP acquired Canadian commerce agency Diff to enhance its Shopify capabilities. Agency consolidation continues, particularly at the high end of the Shopify Plus agency partner space. You recently saw Accenture Song acquired Shopify agency The Stable, and now multinational agency WPP has acquired Div to bulk up its Shopify expertise. Seventh, sports trading card platform Arena Club announced a $10 million Series A. There are a number of new sports card trading platforms, including digital ones, so I'm skeptical if this is a fertile area for VC investment in the short term especially since it's a vertical area of investment for eBay. This one has the advantage of being promoted by Derek Jeter, but that doesn't guarantee success. And finally, brand licensing firm WHP Global invested $260 million into Express and acquired 7.4% of the firm. WHP Global, the firm that owns a controlling stake in Toys R Us, has invested in Express in order to expand the firm's product lines into new categories and geographies. I'm bullish on this partnership for WHP Global as the Express brand name still means something and there is likely a lot of money to be made here if this is done right. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Want to discuss the topics on the show? Head on over to community.rmwcommerce.com to connect with other listeners. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Alex Brower, production manager Gabriella Montague. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.